Hello! Hello! And welcome back to Sinister Sisters. Mm. We are on episode 9 of season 1, and today we'll be talking about Elizabeth Wettlaufer, one of Canada's most prolific serial killers, and the woman mm. who has murdered the most people in Canadian history. <laughs> she is only overtaken in Canada in the number of victims by Robert Picton, who's the pig farm killer. Oh. So she's pretty pretty up there in, in numbers. Pretty spicy. Yes. As a random fun fact that I came across while researching, <clears throat> Canada has 22 convicted serial killers, while America has 3,204. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. 22. We live in Canada, so I thought that this was fun like 22 of all time of all time that doesn't seem like a lot i feel like it should be higher than that but well it that's just serial killers that doesn't include like mass murderers or Mm. what is the difference according to gray's anatomy (laughs) uh, (laughs) you're a serial killer if you kill over time a mass murder event is when you Oh. when someone kills multiple people but in the same like 24 hours i guess i don't know oh gotcha yeah i, I guess serial killing is like long-term commitment i see can i make a spicy joke if you'd like out because it's pretty political yeah is the government of canada included in that 22 serial killers oh jesus Ooh. should be <laughs> Let's not comment on that. So we should cut that joke out? No, I like the joke. Oh, okay. But we're not going to make our own personal feelings known Ah. about the murder in Canada and the government. Okay. Very political. I like it. Okay, I'm ready to be horrified ready. i just want to say before we start that we will have digital case files on yeah. the instagram which for this case i find very um important because the timelines are kind of confusing oh also over on our instagram we have a case request form which our instagram is sinister sisters podcast um, we also accept emails at sinister sisters pod at gmail.com and yeah. follow us if you want to keep up with everything that we're doing, which is always fun. Except for I haven't always posted fun. in like a little bit, but I'll get on that. Like a week? Yeah. That's fine. That's not bad. We're, we're bulk recording. Nobody we knows are. about us yet, so it's fine. <laughs> True. <laughs> for the trigger warning for today's content, we'll be discussing topics such as murder substance misuse and abuse and neglect by a medical professional so please listen with caution discretion and feel free to click off remembering that we do have lighter episodes on fridays as a sneak peek cat what is our soapbox episode for this week what's the topic this week we are talking about vanity sizing in women's clothing Ooh, much lighter still if I if vanity sizing is what I think it is, then it's still kind of lame, but yeah, not but quite as murderous. Not death and destruction and guts mm-hmm. and things. Yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth Wedloffer was born on June tenth, nineteen sixty-seven, as Elizabeth May 
Oh, sorry, Elizabeth Tracy May Parker. Mm. She was raised in Zora Township, which is a rural community near Woodstock, Ontario, in Canada. A quick Google search tells us that Zora has a population of 8,138 people. That was when it was last counted in 2016. And is a quick 20-minute drive from Woodstock, which is a much bigger town. So she Mm. grew up small town living. Fair enough. I've also never heard of Woodstock, Ontario, I don't think, so it's obviously uh, not that big of a town. I think (laughs) when I looked, it was about 40,000 people, so not, I mean, not small, but not sizable, because I don't know anything about Ontario, other than Toronto, so. Yeah. That's Ottawa, I guess. Anyways. (laughs) Elizabeth grew up in a staunchly Baptist household. And originally earned a bachelor's degree in religious education counseling from London Baptist Bible College, which is now called Heritage College and Seminary. And is an evangelical institution for higher education located in Cambridge, Ontario. She then studied nursing at Constitoga College and became a registered nurse in 1995. Elizabeth got married to a man named Daniel Wettlofer in 1997, who was a long-haul truck driver, and by 2008, the couple had divorced. I just want to clarify timelines very quickly. So, most of the crimes took place in the early 2000s, but they were not considered murders at the time, so they weren't investigated because of how they were carried out. She worked at a place called Kessent care from 2007 to 2014 and after that held a handful of temporary jobs at different nursing homes in the area she confessed to her crimes in late 2016 and at the time when she confessed they were not being investigated but we'll get to that so part of our case filed this week will have a timeline just because i think it's confusing but that Mm. could just be me so I can see that. No. So in 2007, Elizabeth was hired onto the staff at a long-term care home in Woodstock called Carecent Care. Former co-workers originally described her as caring and professional. However, through her time there, Elizabeth struggled with substance abuse and alcoholism. She faced accusations that she was showing up to work drunk and is said to have been found passed out in the facility's basement during the night shift on a regular occasion. She was suspended four times for medication-related errors and was fired in March 2014 over a serious incident where she gave the wrong medication to a patient. Oh, my. So, from what I can understand, she wasn't... She she had a lot of medication related errors, and then the final one was just kind of like the last straw, and so she was she pieced out. She was fired. Hmm. After so after leaving this position, Elizabeth had difficulty holding down other jobs. When she was hired, for example, by Meadow Meadow Park Care Center in London, Ontario, she lost her jobs because of the drug addiction and the alcoholism and. She ended up checking herself into a drug rehab facility in Niagara. Wow. And so after she got out of that program, she took a series of temp jobs at other care homes and admitted to a neighbor that she had been fired from one of these jobs for making a medication error while high. So that, and it nearly resulted in the death of a patient. This, of course, is hearsay because it's just what the neighbor, it's the neighbor's word against 
Elizabeth's, but it seems to fit alongside her other job losses and, you know, what what was being said about her in other places. Yeah. She also wrote poetry about how much she desired to kill people, apparently. I saw that on, like, CBC or something like that, so grain of salt, please. So while she was at Care St. Care, which she worked at from 2007 to 2014, Elizabeth began injecting some of the patients she cared for with insulin. While the amount that she used was not enough to kill, she was charged with aggravated assault and attempted murder charges eventually, but nobody died from these original attacks. That they happened between sometime between June and December in 2017, but as I said, they were not considered anything at the time, just, you know, a medical... These people had just had too much insulin for whatever reason. There was no foul play suspected. Oh. So the first case where Elizabeth injected a patient with enough insulin to directly cause death was on August 11th, 2007, when she murdered a man named James Silcox, who was a World War II veteran and a father to six. Through to March 2014, she murdered Maurice... Granat, Gladys Millard, Helen Matheson, Mary Zurowinski, Helen Young, and Maureen Pickering. That's mm. six more people. And again, none of these were con- were considered to be murders at the time. No foul play was suggested was um yeah suggested because of the way that she killed them. So after she left Care Saint Care in 2014, she was fired for her medication errors. She went to work those temp jobs, right? And so it was during these jobs that she injected three more people with insulin. Um, someone by the name of Arpad Horvath, who did die. Sandra Towler and Beverly Bertram. Both Sandra and Beverly survived the attacks. So her victim count is up to eight now. So, sorry to interrupt. All yep. of the patients that she killed, she killed with giving them an insulin overdose? Yes. That is her modus operandi that is how she murdered them and, and that is sorry intentionally intentionally yes they yeah it was murder it wasn't like a medication issue just being the world's worst nurse yeah pretty much but i mean there's more to it so keep your seatbelt yes. on eyes on <laughs> elizabeth's <laughs> crimes went unreported and unknown as insulin is not a tr- is not tracked in the same way as heavier drugs are, such as narcotics. So yeah. nobody noticed that there was large amounts of it going missing or being used. Elizabeth is quoted as saying, quote, It wasn't counted, and I knew that that was something that would kill people. The lack of following up on insulin is what it made it available to me. So, Jeez. how what, what does excess insulin actually do? Excess insulin in the bloodstream causes cells in your body to absorb too much sugar from your blood and also causes the liver to release less glucose. The, ba- the brain sorry, is completely dependent on glucose metabolism as it is the body's main source of energy. So when this function doesn't work properly, it leads to hypoglycemia, which can cause brain death or brain defects or even death. But... My research tells me that it's a very quiet way to die. You don't, there's no like blood or guts or anything, and there's no like arsenic poisoning gives you a tummy ache, you know? Mm. You don't necessarily know with insulin, and it's not 
something that's tracked within the care systems so it's not um it wasn't a first thought for anybody it's just they had all died of you know natural causes because this was also a care home so her victims were between the ages of like late 70s to mid 90s so yeah unfortunately they were not Mm -hmm. it wasn't considered serious and it wasn't until Elizabeth entered an inpatient drug rehabilitation program at a psychiatric hospital in Toronto that her crimes came to light. So this was September 16th in 2016 when she was checked into that drug rehabilitation program. While she was there, she confessed to the staff about her crimes, leading to the staff notifying the Toronto Police Service. Elizabeth then emailed the College of Nursing Ontario, which is the governing body of Uh, nurses in the province to resign as an RN due to quote deliberately harming patients in her care and was now being investigated by the police for the same she also personally called an investigator from CNO and had staff at the hospital fax a four-page handwritten confession she definitely showed some like remorse for this which we get into a little bit more too but yeah nothing was investigated until she confessed to it herself wow Through a police investigation, it turns out that Elizabeth had tried to confess multiple times to different people. One was to a lawyer who advised her to keep it a secret and did not report it to police. Others were to friends and previous partners. Um, And after providing police with a two-hour-long confession, she was formally charged with eight counts of murder on October 25th, 2016. And on January 13th, 2017, six more charges were added, four counts of attempted murder, and two counts of aggravated assault. And that was for the first crimes that she committed Mm -hmm. with the insulin overdoses, but not enough to cause death. So if someone, I don't know if you know this, but if someone were to be given an insulin overdose, but not enough to kill them, does that do anything then? Or you would just never know? I I think you'd have like symptoms of hypoglycemia, which is like um, Mm -hmm. being dizzy and things like that. But I don't think it would cause any lasting issues, but I don't know for sure. Oh, so it, they could have put down their symptoms to them just being like elderly people. Yeah. Sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. It wouldn't sure. have been, there wasn't any obvious signs that anything icky had happened to these people. Hmm. Not even, if she was using like a narcotic, it would have been, they, they're signed out and everything, right? But insulin isn't. Right. So... Or it wasn't at the time. Interesting. During her confession, Elizabeth admitted that she knew what she was doing was wrong. She said she was visited by surges and that, quote, God or the devil or whatever wanted her to do it. She said she had tried to stop killing and that she had confessed to friends, a former partner and her pastor, but nobody took her seriously. She suggested that after killing, she heard a laughter, but not audibly. But it was like a feeling within her chest, while the feeling promoting her to overdose and subsequently kill is coming from her stomach area. She never claimed to get pleasure from the killings. She actually claimed the opposite, saying that she felt horrible after murdering each victim. I don't... There's no way to prove any of this, that she felt the laughing or the, the, the devil was telling her to do it. So some like anecdotal theories or that she was going to try for an insanity plea but that never really came to be 
So maybe, you know, it could be an option, but she did actually waive her right to a preliminary hearing and she confessed to all of the charges in court on June 1st, 2017, and on June 26th was sentenced to eight concurrent life terms in prison with no possibility of parole for 25 years. Concurrent meaning that they run at the same time as each other, so they all start one day and run at the same time, so she doesn't have eight after one after another. I think that is it is illegal in Canada to um, serve sentences consecutively. Yes. Yes. I think, I don't know if it's um, illegal to, I don't know about that, but I know that you have to be considered for parole after 25 years in Canada. So, IDK. Another fun fact about Canada. You're welcome, serial killers of Canada. (laughs) Elizabeth is held at the Grand Valley Institution for Women in Kitchener, Ontario. And that is where she has been since she was sentenced, basically. Yeah. So, the aftermath of this case, it's still, like, relatively new for, like, the speed that the Canadian government does anything. It's relatively new. (laughs) Um, Today is just a flame the Canadian government day. Like, I'm I'm so sorry. Actually, I'm not. Fuck you. Um. (laughs) Deported. I'm not going to get deported. It's not illegal to say fuck you. (laughs) So what did happen is the Attorney General of Ontario and the province's Minister of Health and Long-Term Care announced on the day that she was being sentenced that the provincial government would commission a public inquiry into her case in an effort to, quote, get the answers we need to help ensure a tragedy such as this does not happen again. However, there was no information on what happened from that inquiry and if it had even gone ahead yet. So, I mean, this was 2017, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. They've had five years. So So, there's a lot of people. Some time. There is a lot of people in Ontario that are not very happy with the government of their province or this this minister of health man and the attorney general and okay. the people whose loved ones were murdered also feel like it's not being taken as seriously as it should be and that the inquiry could have happened it could have at least been started i don't know how long an inquiry takes to finish but you know something could have been done so that something similar doesn't happen to anybody else but yeah what has been done, though, was that Elizabeth was charged with professional misconduct by a mm. disciplinary panel convened by the CNO, so the governing body of nurses in Ontario, on July 25th, 2017. And even though she had already been found guilty in a criminal trial and voluntarily surrendered her nursing license, the formal hearing was required by CNO to officially bar her from the profession. So Elizabeth didn't go didn't participate in the hearing and she was found guilty based on court documents from her criminal trial as well as her previous confession her conduct was deemed quote disgraceful and dishonorable by the disciplinary panel and her nursing registration was formally revoked indefinitely barring her from ever practicing nursing in ontario again but just in ontario if she gets out in 25 years she can be a nurse in any other province, just not Ontario. There is some 
crossover yeah like the professional bodies will communicate with each other yes but like legally there's no nothing stopping her unless you can't be a criminal and be a nurse which maybe but I'm sure any hospital considering hiring her would do a quick little criminal record check and see, oh, you actually murdered eight people. Or just like a quick casual Google search, you know? Yeah. 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 The board that heard the case said that it was, quote, the most egregious and disgraceful conduct this panel has ever considered. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that checks out. I mean, that makes sense, you know? Yeah. When I was writing or like researching this there was like a subsection of comments because you know you can comment on news articles whatever yeah there was a subsection of comments that kind of had sympathy for her Mm. in that she was addicted to drugs she grew up in what was probably because it was so staunchly fundamentalist and baptist yeah that she maybe didn't have like the toolkit for her to not be addicted to drugs and all that kind of stuff. And then also there was some comments about that she was possessed and she couldn't have been in her right mind because she thinks the devil wants her to do these crimes, whatever. Hmm. So she did have some supporters and I think a lot of people thought that she did a good thing by just kind of pleading guilty while confessing in the first place. And also pleading guilty so no one had to sit through a trial yeah and I mean, that's a tricky argument to make you know yes. just because you do drugs or you you have substance use doesn't necessarily mean that you don't know that murdering people is wrong yes yeah. and she did say in her confession with police that she knew what she was doing was wrong so she just like that's the um to be found criminally insane or in- insane and not criminally responsible due to insanity, whatever it's called, you have to not know that your crime is illegal at the time or that you don't understand like the consequences of that crime oh. at the time of commission. Hmm. So if she knew what she was doing was wrong, then she she knew that. So she doesn't, doesn't fit the thing for cr- being criminally insane. Interesting. So there's I didn't that. Know that. There's also because she did confess, I I guess this could be seen as a negative thing as well, but nobody knew that these crimes had even been committed. Nobody knew that these elderly people had been actually been murdered and not died of natural causes. And so that's a good thing that came from it that she did confess, so they were able to you know, stop this inquiry, whatever, to try and prevent it. But also, I read a comment that kind of said, like, maybe the family of the deceased would have slept better at night if they thought, you know, if it had never come to light. But that's, yeah. you know, I think that probably depends on the person. Yeah, that one's tough. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of crazy that you'd become a nurse just to commit the murders yeah it's like yeah why like if you're gonna be a nurse you are caring right usually i mean you would think to 
to finish nursing school, you would have to care a mm-hmm. certain amount about people because the first few years that you're in nursing school are not enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. And they make and- you do like the grossest, like cleaning yeah. up vomit and like that sort of thing type of yeah. jobs. So. Yeah. And it's hard work. Nursing school is hard work, like you were saying. So you would think that you would know that that's what you want to do and that's, you know, your path. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. She never gave any kind of like solid reason, solid mo- solid motive, just that she, you know, was told by the devil to do it. So mm. we'll probably never know, especially because it didn't go to trial. So we will probably never know why she did this. That is all I have for this week. I have also never heard of that one before, which is also weird because it's so, so recent. Yeah, I meant to ask you that actually. That's in my script or in my thing. No, to ask you if you've heard of it before at the beginning because I think that's fun. But I forgot. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No, I also hadn't heard of it before. I wanted to do something Canadian this week mm-hmm. and to do something kind of different because last week we had minors. Oh, and yes, then yes. this week we have a Canadian. And that's significant because we live in Canada. Oh. So. Yeah. Fun. Uh, yes. Well, we have learned something new today. We have. Thank you for tuning in to Sinister Sisters. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at sinistersisters.podcast. Send us a case request or a soapbox episode request if you want to hear a deep dive into something that's not murder what yeah. what have our topics been we've done astrology for soapbox we've done yeah. the georgia guidestones mm-hmm. conspiracy theories mm-hmm. uh... so anything that you want to hear more of a, a deep dive into especially with kind of a i don't know but kind of a like humanities like yeah. social work twist on it fun and flirty topics fun 30 and 30 i messed 30 up. flirty and thriving yes we said that last time too i think we did <laughs> and when i was sitting down to to do this episode i was seeing true friend by miley cyrus oh. hannah montana whoever sings that there you go i was saying that um lil nas x song i told oh. you long ago no. someone in love oh. me fair enough Anyways, thanks for tuning in. Bye. Sh- I forgot to introduce us this week too. I'm Shrimp. That's yeah, Cat. Cat. <laughs> thanks for listening Bye. to Sinister Sisters. Bye. Bye. <laughs>